Good morning. Hello world. <clears throat> this is your host, Hacker Mike. On a late morning recording. It's 6.40 in the morning. The sun is already up. Blue skies. Wonderful day. No stars to be seen. Oh, the moon is at half. But still no sign of Venus. So this is going to be a late and short recording. <sighs> Had to sleep in. It's the um, it's the uh, first day of work after a long Labor Day weekend, and we got a lot of gardening done. So we're going to talk about gardening today. This is going to be the gardening show as a main topic. No more, um, well, we'll see how much time we have because we might just get treat you with some things. We'll see how it goes because it is, of course, a stream of random and we can choose to switch topics at any time. But I have a clip from the Epic Gardening podcast that I listened to, talking about food waste in America. So we're going to go over that at least. And I'm going to bore you with some of the details of my garden. So, uh, and I want to say thanks to my dad, who's been a real supporter of my garden. And uh, we went on some massive leaf runs last year and collected in his truck hundreds and hundreds of bags of leaves and smash them up. Oh, well, ground them up with a lawnmower. And that created a great fertile bed for growing this year. Although some of the beds, the leaves didn't compost completely. They're actually just finishing composting. So it's better to grind them up. This year was kind of a dud year for the garden. I mean, not dud, it wasn't amazing like last year. We have an enormous amount of deer here in uh, New Jersey, and they have eaten a bunch of things. But, um, so let me tell you what we, We've gotten uh, pumpkins, watermelons, all types of squashes we planted. And those uh, grow very well on the hugel culture or the mound culture. The hugel culture is when you take a mound, it's called a mound culture, it's a German word. <clears throat> Basically, you take, you dig a hole, or not you don't necessarily have to dig a hole but you lay down logs and wood um, on the ground and then you cover it in dirt and compost and then you grow on top of that and the wood will decompose over the years creating a sponge and that sponge will hold water so that and also the roots of the plants will go into the wood so it gives you um, a way to grow on um, hillsides for one and um, the other thing is it lets you uh, reuse uh, wood waste and all types of organic waste and they'll slowly compost and we also did that in our raised beds. So under the when we planted the raised beds, we put all types of bio material to decompose under the um, as the first layer, and we put that underneath the uh, compost and then dirt, the topsoil for growing, and it turned out pretty well. So. Um, 
so we have uh, about seven raised beds we have one large hugel culture we have um just some rows on the fence line um, blackberries mm. uh, what else raspberries the blueberries i don't think they're doing very well uh, rhubarb is doing well we have a little herb garden going we have this one Korean plant, I have to look up the name. It has this red leaf and it's used as a spice or a roll, as a wrap in, in um, Korea. And it just grows like crazy. It's almost like a weed. And it produces thousands of seeds. So I ended up ripping that out this year. We never actually used this, the leaves for anything. But maybe we'll look up how we can use them. The um, cherry tomatoes have planted themselves everywhere, I guess, birds, and um, they are going crazy producing these huge bushes. So cucumbers, for sure, and uh, we had rugula, but it's kind of... is. is gone the um, mustard it grows very nicely morning the mustard grows nicely and um, that turned out well the um, The bok choy survived. It didn't get eat, didn't get eaten yet. And I did plant a huge amount of daikon radishes this year. My dad gave me this bag of daikon seeds, or called oil radishes, and uh, they produce humongous white radishes, like horseradishes almost. Um, but nobody likes to eat them really. Uh, they're kind of, they're really quite spicy. <clears throat> but um, I planted them everywhere and they grew everywhere I just threw the seeds everywhere they just grew, grew like crazy so I'm not going to do that again this year so next year we're going to plant with more methodical the lettuce all bolted we really need to uh, plan out our lettuce garden so that we'll have lettuce all year long it's not a trivial uh, operation because you have to plant it in stages, I think, which we didn't do. So, Garden of Random was turned out pretty random this year, let me tell you. But uh, next year we're going to... We're going to do more structured gardening, I think. Okay. Well, on that note, let's, uh, let's queue up this clip. And then we're going to start listening to what he has to say about food waste. All right. Well, it's funny. Um, I was just listening to this show. And he's actually promoting his business, the guy of imperfectfoods.com. And um, so I just signed up for a, uh, a box of food. Um, $35 for 17 pounds of organic food of vegetables they also have fish and grains and other things but that costs more but I got the uh, three to four person box and um, we're gonna try it out so uh, basically they're offering um, reduced prices on seconds uh, delivered at home so you get uh, things that are not perfectly shaped okay well that's kind of funny because i mean i wasn't planning on signing up but i put a promo code link in our show notes so you can actually show up uh, sign up as well and you'll save 10 bucks and i'll make 10 bucks i mean i'm not trying to make 10 bucks but i thought i would just pass that on um, <clears throat> 
and uh, if you want to sign up. Now, I think I actually looked into this before and they were not available in my area and they might not be available in your area, especially if you live out in the sticks. And I guess it's only the United States, so our friends in Kosovo won't be able to get it. Uh, but, um, we will, we will continue now with listening to his, uh, the podcast. I haven't actually played any clips from him, but basically it was just introducing him himself and tell, telling, and they got one guy said, well, I just got my box. So I had to look into it. All right. It out. And so I think for someone who doesn't know what it is, the name sounds really weird to them, right? Imperfect Foods. And so maybe we could just start there. Yeah, that's a great question. A great way to frame it, opening up, you know, what could be imperfect about food? And I think especially for your audience, if you grow your own food, you know quite well that nature produces things in every shape and size and color. And that's awesome. And that's something to celebrate, not waste. And so, you know, that ironic disconnect of nature produces things that look all sorts of ways, and that's beautiful and lovely, and we should appreciate it, versus our food system actually wastes a ton of food every year, a lot of times because stuff doesn't fit in this very narrowly defined mold of how food should look, what size it should be, what color it should be. And it's really unpacking that contradiction. Like, that's the origin story of Imperfect. Like, when our founders started this, they were young people that had heard there was tons of food going to waste on farms. And when they dug in more, they learned that a huge reason was cosmetics. It's that grocery stores are remarkably picky about what they will and won't buy a lot of times because of really narrow cosmetic specifications. So we're talking about a bell pepper being asymmetrical, mm. right? So and anyone who's grown bell peppers knows they're all asymmetrical, yeah. right? I've yeah. never grown one myself that looks like one you can buy in the store. Bring it out. And so I think for someone who doesn't know what it is, the name sounds really weird to them, right? Imperfect Foods. And so maybe we could just start there. Yeah, that's a great question. A great way to frame it, opening up, you know, what could be imperfect about food? And I think especially for your audience, if you grow your own food, you know quite well that nature produces things in every shape and size and color. And that's awesome. And that's something to celebrate, not waste. And so, you know, that ironic disconnect of, Nature produces things that look all sorts of ways, and that's beautiful and lovely, and we should appreciate it, versus our food system actually wastes a ton of food every year, a lot of times because stuff doesn't fit in this very narrowly defined mold of how food should look, what size it should be, what color it should be. And it's really unpacking that contradiction. Like, that's the origin story of Imperfect. Like, when our founders started this, they were young people that had heard there was tons of food going to waste on farms. And when they dug in more, they learned that a huge reason was cosmetics. It's that grocery stores are remarkably picky about what they will and won't buy a lot of times because of really narrow cosmetic specifications. So we're talking about a bell pepper being asymmetrical, mm. right? So and anyone who's grown bell peppers knows they're all asymmetrical, yeah. right? I've never yeah. grown one myself that looks like one you can buy in the store. Okay, so the next clip he's going to talk about, they're going to talk about uh, why is the food being wasted, what is up, what's the psychology or what is the uh, philosophy, you know, why do people choose only perfect um, peppers. And um, <clears throat> I think this company is a great idea and I'd like to actually throw one on top of it and say from a micro perspective micro business as we've talked about on this micro essential really uh, <clears throat> we could have um, people growing tomatoes at home you know I've got tomatoes growing my, my mom has tomatoes uh, growing and you basically have too many tomatoes at this point. So we don't need all the tomatoes that we're growing. If we could sell those tomatoes and have a futures contract on tomatoes and say, okay, um, I'm willing to sell my excess tomatoes in September for, I don't know, $2 a pound 
and someone would buy that contract and say, okay, I will buy um, $2 of homegrown organic tomatoes. Um, I guess they're not certified organic, but homegrown tomatoes, pesticide-free, you know, fertilizer-free. Um, maybe not dog pee-free. The plants might get peed on by the dogs. But let's just say we have those things, and then people would be able to buy them, and um, <clears throat> we'd have to work out some type of clause uh, for default. Let's say you don't produce as many tomatoes, but let's say we would make it so it's a voluntary buy where you only pay for what's delivered instead of saying you're going to buy a futures contract where you're, you have to deliver, right? When someone takes delivery of it. So we'll have two different options, I think. One is the voluntary deliver, right? The optional, like, I can't deliver it. Which is kind of stupid, though. Because if you can't deliver the tomatoes, um, let's just say your tomatoes are so good and you get a higher offer, maybe you just don't want to deliver them. So not being able to deliver them really um, opens up your system to fraud. And uh, being forced to buy from someone else and take a loss. Um, that means that you as a producer could lose a lot of money on your contracts. So there's a two-sided sword here. Um, let's say you would have to go to the store and buy organic tomatoes and then deliver them uh, to the person you promised the tomatoes to. So I think we should leave it up to the buyer to decide if they can get out or what type of alternative they would accept. Um, and the buyer could say, yeah, well, you're gonna deliver me the store-bought tomatoes or we'd have some kind of contract and say, well, they will be refunded at the price of the store-boughts. So we'd have to have a price index for each item to say that if the producer can't deliver, that they'll lose the money at the rate of the store-boughts. Or, well, basically, they'll have to buy it at the store and deliver it. I really think the futures contract system does make sense. Um, so that's futures, but what about a CSA where you say, well, I'm going to buy whatever you can give me in a box and you could say, well, this is what I'm planting and um, you'll get whatever I produce. Now, if we have a whole bunch of small, a bunch of small people, like I might be able to produce food for two other families. And if we have enough people producing family, if every gardener produces food for two other families, you know, it's like one third farms and the other third benefits and pays. I mean, that's an interesting idea, but how do you, manage the distribution anyway i'm going off on a tangent but i think this is the stream of random and we're allowed to do that and you could just skip over the stuff if you don't like it fast forward it but um, i think we really uh, could do better than buying just from um, large companies and we can manage the deliveries with bicycles even and get rid of the whole truck system so i mean in theory it would be possible and you know small small farms 
grow into large farms over years. So, look at these wood chips. Yeah, the state of New Jersey does chip quite a bit of wood or the various municipalities, park services. They have quite the uh, wood chips and woodways that could be used for hoogles. <clears throat> they also have the uh, state-owned greenhouses that are overgrown. From the 1800s, they had these greenhouses here. A lot of these places were self-sustainable. They would grow all the food they needed. For example, the School for the Deaf and also the New Jersey Department of Agriculture would be has its own greenhouses. But now they have trees growing out of them. Um, so we're going to think about this micro-delivery, like super small networks, like being able to walk and um, you know think about the cost savings so if I'm a farmer and I deliver to five people um, around me you know once a week um, and we have a payment system for that in place and then they could get deliveries from other people for other things that are not local, but with a higher price of delivery. I think uh, we could create a network, a web, like the um, like the fungus system of the roots. Uh, is it mycorrhiza? I don't remember the name. But like that webby stuff that grows the webby fungus that grows in the roots of plants. That's what it's kind of like. Well, I'm going to think about that some more because this really gets down to the microessential um, idea that I had. And it doesn't only have to be food. It's all about being local and finding, you know, what about the garbage you throw away? I need cardboard boxes, you're throwing them away. I need uh, compost, grass clippings, you're throwing them away. I need uh, tree trunks, you're throwing them away. Like how do we, like free cycling, how do we connect people together? How do we make declarations of <sighs> pesticide free, you know, toxin free, how do we declare those things and manage them? What are the predicates? How do we match them together? So this really comes down to a typing system in like Haskell, where you're trying to match a function call to a function implementation. all driven by survival, the survival function. Okay, well that's enough of me philosophizing, but that's what this show's about. So let's play the tape. I mean, if I wasn't able to philosophize on this show and go off on tangents and make you listen to me talk, where else am I supposed to do it? Like, what is my other platform? And it's amazing, we're getting consistent listeners of four people now, and I want to say thank you to each one of you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Maybe you just have them downloaded in your podcast player and don't actually listen to them, but if you're listening to me speak these words, let me know, because I want to hear from you, my listener. Thank you. Well, Dad, I do know you do listen, so I have one listener right there. All right. Well, here we go. Yeah, you know what's uh, it's very interesting to hear that because, you know, on the one side you would say that okay, well, why are the grocery stores making that decision? It it has to be based on some sort of profit incentive, right? And if it's true that I mean, I'm sure that's coming to some degree, not probably to an, the entire degree 
from the consumer behavior too, right? Because I mean, I, you know, even at a farmer's market, I've had friends on the podcast who are market farmers and they'll say, you know, if you don't come to the market and fill your booth up high, it's like pilot high and watch it fly. Yes. Then it then it doesn't sell, even if it's yep. the exact same thing. So to some degree, our own human biases and our own human psychology is is having something to do with this. But then to another degree, once that sort of gets institutionalized in the system, then it never changes. And maybe our consumer tastes change, like we're all going to farmers markets now. We're growing our own food, but uh, those those sort of protocols are still in place, and that's where you're getting a lot of waste. It seems like. Yeah, I mean, you put it really well. It is circular. And and I don't mean to just put the blame on any one group here. I think, you know, we'll we'll get into this throughout the week here, but food waste is a multifaceted problem that all of us are guilty in. Really, yeah. when you when yeah. you got to look in the mirror and say, I waste food, you waste food, grocery stores waste food, farmers sometimes waste food, and no one I I've yet to meet someone that's delighted about that. No one is like twirling their mustache and saying, I just love how much food I'm wasting right now. Yeah. Like, no no this is a blessedly nonpartisan, non-polarized issue and an increasingly polarized world. So I think we should one frame it with uh, with that at the beginning. But I think what you said, I really liked that it, this is a matter of psychological conditioning in a lot of ways that if you only shop at mega marts and supermarkets, they only present you with a certain slice of what produce looks like. So, mm. you know, you're forgiven if you think that all bell peppers are symmetrical, all oranges are bright orange, all lemons are perfectly, you know, lemon shaped in this one size. Um, whereas, you know, if you've grown it yourself or gone to a farmer's market or gone to a friend or family member's farm, you know, darn well, this stuff looks all sorts of ways. Yeah. So yeah. it's really, I think on a lot of levels, the origin of it is just a disconnect between people and how food is, is actually grown. And that's a big part of what we're trying to do as a company is actually bridge that disconnect one with the groceries who sell people, but also with content and educational resources that tells the full story of our food. So in this next clip, he gives an example of almonds as a uh, packaged food that could go to waste. And basically what I didn't, I cut out of this show <clears throat> is this whole example of packaged food, where not only are they buying imperfect food, but they're also buying um, wasted packaged goods that have gotten relabeled, label has changed, or abandoned orders where they ordered too much. I didn't want them. Stuff that's basically um, on the secondary market or on the waste market that he's picking up. So that's interesting. And um, I think uh, I think what they've done here is the uh, delivery. Now, when we talked about curb crate where we're delivering not to your home, but to a certain location, um, and you pick it up. So if we combine all of these things together, um, then I could run my CSA as a curb crate micro-essential, where I just put out, um, I just have the bags for the people ready once a week to come pick up their own vegetables in my house or have them delivered at a surcharge, right? Let's say the grandma down the road, I need to bicycle her the food. She doesn't want to walk. But if we combine all of these ideas together, we're really going to uh, come up with the tiniest sustainable food system. And that doesn't mean that doesn't mean that you uh, are going to be producing food all year long. But we could tie in uh, grocers and farmers and other people into the system that they could also uh, get rid of their food waste restaurants, canteens, they, re they produce huge amounts of food waste. I don't know how many of them that do that nowadays with COVID, but anyone who's ever worked in a restaurant or buffet knows 
they are extreme wasters of food. So if we're able to tie in other sources during the winter times, maybe. Um, or even set up greenhouse operations. Grow ops. Okay, well, something to think about. Um, and, uh, yeah. So that's the end of that podcast. We're going to play... Uh, we got some time left on my way home. So we're going to listen to something completely random now. We'll see what we can find. Changed, and almonds are insane. I mean... Yeah. We had uh, we had someone on the podcast, Peter Nelson. He he doc- he directed this documentary called The Pollinators, and I mean just just the managed beekeeping that goes into pollinating, effectively artificially pollinating, even though you're using bees, but it's an unnatural way that they would be pollinated. That there's an intense cost there, and then there's an intense cost to the water, of course, because uh, they're effectively being monocropped up in in NorCal, and so you know you waste one bag of almonds. And if you go up the chain, you've now wasted, I don't know how many gallons, but quite a, quite a few gallons of fresh water. So, yeah, it's pretty crazy. I mean, there's quite a bit to food waste, and I would encourage you guys to... Okay, so now we're going to get into a long clip from Kerry Knoll, and this clip contains a clip, and that clip contains another clip. So we're going to go from the show to Gary's show to an Australian journalist, and then he's going to play clips from other news sources. So it's going to be pretty deeply nested in its recursive structure. Um, So I think what we need to do is we need to work out an anti-propaganda checklist. So when you're confronted by someone who is trying to convince you of the propaganda that will have like arguments uh, that don't make you sound like a crazy person, Um, I don't know exactly what those arguments are going to be, but I'm kind of formulating them right now. It probably has to be done by someone who's better than me, but something along the lines of, you know, we don't know enough about this situation to make any decisions, any rash decisions. And we don't want to give up any of our fundamental rights um, as Americans, which makes us special. I mean, I think that's the starting point for everything. That luckily we live in America, and I'm sorry for the people who don't. There's a uh, trail in Panama that you can cross between uh, Colombia and Panama. It's a two week trek that people take to get to America to enjoy these freedoms. that people are so desperate to get out of authoritarian regimes um, that they will risk their lives um, going through jungles and uh, piranha-filled waters. So, but we luckily have these freedoms and we should cherish them. Okay, so uh, let's play this long clip from Gary now. So um, I'm going to leave in also Gary's rant, and he goes off on these hate rants. Um, I don't necessarily agree with what he's saying completely, and he doesn't give a foundation for it. He's basically giving a list of things that he doesn't believe in, that he thinks are lies. But it is something to think about, where he's saying that there's so many things that the government has lied to us before, why should we believe them now? And I do agree with that. I think we have to make informed decisions and we do have cause for pause and skepticism in the terms of, let's wait for this to play out. I also don't get the latest phone. You know, I'm on a uh, Samsung Generation 8, I guess now. I'm always a couple of years behind. And I want to be a couple of years behind on the vaccine front as well, for sure. Let's give them four years. Let's let it play out. And then we can evaluate what's happening. So, I'm going to leave that in. 
um, but please do not consider it an endorsement it's going to go for 10 minutes this whole clip so be prepared all right and then we're going to end the show with that because i am almost home i gotta start my day it's already past eight o'clock so uh let's roll it let's say let's start with we can't trust whether the truth is being given to us on the actual deaths and why is this little short clip i'm going to play important because <clears throat> all along i've said the real good science is not being applied because they went ahead and started national lockdown programs based upon giving people faulty antibody tests from faulty kits that's universally accepted now. Even Bill Gates said that they were all, you know, junk. But you're talking about millions of people were given junk tests, ended up with false positives, and then they were put on very aggressive over-medication, none of which helped the patient. And almost always in nursing homes, assisted living centers, or hospice where they all died. Therefore, the deaths that would normally have happened within a month or two, a person being in those environments from their end-stage diseases, was now all 100% credited to, to COVID-19. Therefore, the actual number of people who've died because of COVID is only 6%. Well, that doesn't make it a pandemic. That doesn't even make it as lethal as an average flu season. But they've destroyed the economy. Even in Australia, they arrested a woman who was thinking about, thinking about, just a thought that maybe she should and others should go out and peacefully protest the draconian lockdown in Melbourne. They arrested her in her pajamas in front of her children. I played you the clip. Well, people in Australia were outraged. So on Saturday, there were demonstrations in Perth and, and Melbourne and Sydney all across the country. And they were arrested, hundreds and hundreds of arrests. Again, they were peacefully protesting that this woman had been dealt with in draconian measures. Well, guess what? And I'll report it today. And I'll, in fact, I'll report it right now that it's official that the Australian government's own website admits the COVID tests they use are totally unreliable. The Therapeutic Goods Administration, a government office, claims, quote, there is little evidence to assess clinical utility of PCR on blood tests. So if the tests were not accurate and the ones they gave were the PCR, which is completely unreliable for this, because you could have had a cold 20 years ago and test positive for coronavirus, even though you don't have Corona-19, you have an old Corona. Remember Corona 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11? Yeah. And it can't even tell you the difference in, in viruses because it's a magnification study. It's not a viral load study. So everything you could do wrong in science, the fraudulence of this science is as bad as anything I saw, except for back with AIDS testing, with the worthless test that Gallo patented. <clears throat> in any case, so now they have to admit that the people that they're quarantining, they're quarantining based upon false information. Quote, the extent to which a positive PCR result correlates with the infectious state of an individual is still being determined. Quote, there is little evidence available to assess the accuracy and clinical utility of available COVID-19 tests. In quote. Wow. Boy, did they get it wrong. And then they put their whole city in lockdown and arresting people and a doctor prescribing hydroxychloroquine, which is known and proven in 51 clinical studies to help people prevent covid or overcome it quickly if it's taken in low doses in the first seven days. They'll arrest those doctors. Wow. So that's what we're dealing with. Anyhow, back in a moment, we're going to play some of these short clips. But first, I have to admit I'm getting suspicious of some of the things that we're told about the coronavirus. It seems we're often fed exaggerations and almost always to make us panic. Today's example is this. Australia has recorded its 103rd COVID death, with a central Queensland man testing positive to the virus in a post-mortem examination. At just 30 years old, he's the youngest Australian to die from the virus. 
And that does sound like shocking news. It's not just a tragedy for his family, his partner and his friends. The big worry for the rest of us is that it's just 30 years old. Now, until now, Australians no younger than 42 have been killed by this virus. Not one. It's basically been a killer of the old. And Queensland Premier Anastasia Palaszczuk today jumped on this fact. 30 years old. She's been under huge pressure to drop her ban on tourism into Queensland and use this death to send a warning. We extend our condolences and uh, it's a timely reminder too for all Queenslanders that uh, this COVID is real, it's out there and it has impacts on Queenslanders and in this case we have uh, lost... Warning is this really, particularly to the young, how much does this death justify the severe lockdown still in Queensland? Now, as I said, the death is indeed a tragedy. But we've got to ask what in fact killed this man. Was it the virus or was it something else? Because here is Queensland Chief Health Officer. He has a complicated medical history and that also needs to be worked through. Unfortunately, we do see young people die from respiratory diseases all the time. Whether or not COVID-19 was the precipitating cause for his death, that is how we report it. Any person who dies who is infected with COVID-19, we declare it as a COVID-19 related death. Well, that is very interesting. So this man had other serious health issues and we don't actually know if it was the virus that killed him. And more importantly, as you heard, any person who dies and has the virus, that is called a COVID-19 death, even if it wasn't even the virus itself that killed them. And this is important when we're trying to work out exactly how dangerous this virus really is and to whom. You see, half our dead were aged 80 or older. Many had underlying health issues. In fact, three of the dead were in a cancer ward in Melbourne. Death number 100 was a 93-year-old with dementia in a nursing home. So we have to really ask how correct it is to say that all of our 103 deaths so far were caused by the virus. It's the same question wherever you look. In the United States, 43% of virus deaths, by one count, have been in nursing homes and assisted living facilities. 43%. And again, how big a factor was the virus? Now, I'm certainly not denying this virus is dangerous, but so many things we've been told about it have turned out to be untrue and usually exaggerated. We were told, for instance, that between 50,000 and 150,000 of us would die. No, that was completely wrong. And we were told that we'd run out of intensive care beds by April 5. Again, completely wrong. We were told that golf had to be banned to save lives, which was nonsense, and schools had to be banned too. But then, once again, it's Queensland's chief health officer letting the cat out of the bag when she explained just why she told Premier Palaszczuk to shut down Queensland schools in March. As I told you before, she actually believed the evidence that showed that schools were not a high-risk environment. OK, that's just one journalist giving you his opinion. Any journalist doing their real homework would find similar, this similar. If you start off with an inaccurate test and you can't prove that the test is going to mean that the person will come down with a virus, then how can you make public policy that can impact an entire world? In fact, this is from... Um, Dr. Peter Bregan, MD, highly respected person, quote, the number of deaths from COVID-19 remain reassuringly low, and quote, Anthony Fauci's proclamations are not science-based. Fauci's a publicity, uh, is a politically motivated person, and so ignores the worldliness and of all the other data emerging from the CDC. So the idea is, frighten people, not cure people, because if they wanted to cure people, they'd be using at least five different commonly used medications that have been approved by the FDA, one for over 65 years, has been used on hundreds of millions of people, and 
You heard the MD-PhD top American epidemiologist from Yale who said in his entire career he has never found any medication that was as safe and effective as COVID uh, against any disease as hydroxychloroquine with zinc and erythromycin. And yet all that is dispelled that's considered fake news and it's scrubbed off Google and Facebook. That should tell you something. But unfortunately for most people, it doesn't. I'm going to share a commentary now, and I'd like you to call in and share your points of view. As I mentioned at the top of the program, we're expected to believe without question, and if we do question, we're immediately attacked. There are legions of corporate shills, sock puppets, bots under their control that can put 100,000 negatives against you, no matter what your business, if you're an author, writer, if you own a, you know, a restaurant. They can do anything they want to you. So it tells people that maybe I should keep quiet if there's a consequence to being right or honest. So here is what they have told us. Trust them. Trust them. Okay, let's all start with we're going to trust you. Okay, if you say that the we need a $3,300 medicine that has caused 16% or 14% of its users in a clinical study to go to the hospital and 50% to have other adverse effects, which means there's going to be about 70% adverse effects, and that's just in this test. Imagine long-term use. Oh, we'll trust you. It's not going to hurt anybody. And so we all should raise up our hands and say, I want that chip. Oh, and by the way, there is a new FDA-approved chip to make sure you've been vaccinated. I'll get into that on tomorrow's program. It's, it's in effect right now. <clears throat> but before, I just one little question, just probably completely insignificant. But here's my question to the New York Times, Washington Post, Jeff Bezos, Facebook, Google, the Trump administration, all of the accolades in his administration, the CDC, Anthony Fauci, FDA, and uh, all the other people around the world who parrot the same view. Were you also honest and truthful without negative consequences? You told us on environmental issues that DDT was safe. You lied. Asbestos was safe. You lied. Tobacco was safe. You lied. GMOs are safe. You lied. Obama's dark act of forgetting GMO labeling, so at least we would know if something was genetically engineered or organic. You said only GMO. You lied. You said glyphosate in Roundups was safe. You lied. You said wood-powered uh, renewable energy would work. You lied. Nuclear power was safe. You lied. Clean coal, that was Obama's big thing, would revolutionize. And it was now the whole media trumped the new clean coal. You lied. Hydrofacking was safe, and the chemicals and drinking water wouldn't be a problem. You lied. Carbon tax to reduce greenhouse gas would, would help us. But you and Al Gore all lied. Geoengineering was the future, and it was safe. You lied. Agent Orange didn't impact the uh, vets, the 3.5 million vet veterans that fought in Vietnam. You lied to, about the vets and to the citizens who've had to live with that deadly legacy. You said that we need to give the largest polluters subsidies. You lied. The first green revolution, which was exporting our fertilizers and heavy machinery and pesticides to poor nations to increase agricultural yield, was great. Rockefeller Foundation sponsored that. You lied. It caused the destruction of sustainable agriculture everywhere in the world where it was used, including in India. When it comes to our health, you said sugar was safe. You lied. Synthetic hormone replacement therapy for 10 million American women using it per year was safe. You lied. Vaccines had all been proven safe and effective and had proper testing. You lied. You said that there was no propaganda for the human papilloma vac vaccine, but it would reduce cervical cancer. You lied. You said psychiatric drugs like SSRIs, Paxil, Zoloft, Effexor, uh, Ritalin were all good and could help us and even cure people. You lied. You said that all psychiatric problems are brain chemical imbalances. 
You lied. There's not a single scintilla of evidence anywhere in science proving that. To the contrary, I have it on film, and you'll all see it in the near future, on my new documentary on manufacturing madness at the American Psychiatric Conference. You'll see a very healthy young woman taken into 12 different psychiatrists, leading psychiatrists, not just your run-of-the-mill psychiatrists, top ones. And they all diagnosed this person with a different psychiatric order, uh, disorder and gave her a prescription for a powerful psychiatric drug within two and a half to seven minutes of visiting her. Now watch what happens when, boom, they're out on the street and suddenly it's, you just saw this woman. She's completely healthy, yet you gave her a prescription, said she had this bipolar condition. What was the basis? And suddenly, like a deer in the headlights, um, um, well, we, well, it's all subjective. Well, if it's all subjective, and no better than a sugar pill placebo. Why didn't you just give her a placebo? Something wouldn't hurt her. Here's the side effects. Read the side effects of the medication because I have all the side effects of every psychiatric medication. If there's one really corrupt, perverted, completely perverted in science area that is not scientific, it is psychiatry. It is a shame. It is a sham. It is a fraud. It hurts people, kills people, disables people. And every psychiatrist should be walked away from. Walk away from psychiatry. Walk away from electroconvulsive therapy. Walk away from lobotomies. No, I apologize. Every member of Congress, every judge in the United States, every assistant district attorney, every prosecuting attorney, and every attorney general, every lawyer in the United States, no exceptions, should have to be forced to have a lobotomy before they're allowed to practice. Maybe we then have a different outcome. You said Vioxx was safe. It only killed a minimum of 60,000, up to a half million people. No one went to jail. No one's reputation was harmed. You lied. You said AZT against AIDS would be the savior. You got a small proactive group within the AIDS community to virtually dominate, heavy-handedly dominate, destroy any other gay journalist's reputation. They destroyed Charles Ortley, one of the most courageous publishers in the history of gay publications. He's back, thank goodness. And I hope that he and other progressive gays take over as leadership into a new movement because, my God, was it a mess. Because they had advocated for AZT. AZT was the most toxic drug ever created, and yet it was used at 15 to 1,600 milligrams a day, and suddenly 325 to 50,000 Americans died. Those lives could have been saved. So you lied. Anthony Fauci was a part of that. Electroshock therapy works. It does not work. Fluoridation is good. It is not good. You lied. 5G and the safety of electromagnetic frequencies and mobile phones in general, all good. Ask Bill and Hillary Clinton, the laughing buffoons of the Democratic establishment, selected and then elected. They lied. Mammography is safe. It is not. Thermography is safe, but mammography can cause as many cancers as it diagnoses, and it's got a lot of false references. You lied. Polio vaccine and SV40, the simian virus 40 contamination. Not a big deal. We eliminated polio through the vaccine. You lied. You simply changed the terms to flaccid paralysis. So anybody who had polio was now listed as a different condition. <clears throat> You also said that mercury amalgam silver fillings in your mouth were safe. They were not. You lied. Efforts to reduce drug costs. There's one doctor who's in his own hospital. His own hospital was charged $10,000 plus for a simple COVID-19 antibody test, a test that's worthless, and the insurance covered it. I have that actual story. So a reducing... Drug costs, you've done nothing. Obama did nothing. Bush did nothing. Clinton did nothing. And, of course, the idiot in the White House is not capable of doing anything. You, d you lived in denialism of the disease epidemics in the United States, like obesity in children, adult diabetes in children, heart disease in children, arthritis in children. Not a single thing have you done with these buffoonish surgeon generals. None of them worth a damn. So what's the purpose of having someone except for a figurehead and help them get the next position in their career? You've done not a single thing. You have not recognized an epidemic of disease, obesity, depression, anxiety, and de dealt with it in a non-pharmaceutical model. You lie. You lie about infectious disease outbreaks 
We didn't have a measles epidemic. We didn't have a chickenpox epidemic. And the ones that were getting it, the majority had already been fully vaccinated. You lie about its effectiveness. Thalidomide, you used it as a sedative to prevent anxiety and morning sickness. You lied to all those people using it. The Tuskegee experiment, where you thought that African Americans were experimental animals. So for 40 years, you allowed all the people to be in the study who were infected with syphilis not to be effectively treated just to see the outcome, knowing full well that syphilis is one of the most easily transmittable diseases. You can get it in a handshake, a kiss. It's in all the body fluids. So how many people suffered and died and how many other people developed congenital syphilis because of the people? Was anyone at Tuskegee Experiment overseeing this, creating it, and and working with it, ever held responsible? No. You lied. Simpsonwood Conference, where a group of doctors had an emergency meeting and were told that, yes, the, there were of over 100,000 children in a study on the MMR vaccine, and, yes, it showed a correlation between the vaccination with the MMR vaccine and autism. You immediately said, no, nothing is to get out on this, and you lied. But under Freedom Information Act, one person took minutes and recorded it so we know all the people from the World Health Organization, uh, the, uh, the people from the FDA and the CDC and the vaccine manufacturers all working together to cover it up. The media wouldn't touch it. You lied. You also lied about the MMR vaccine cover-up with black boys. Young black children, male, 36 months and younger, had over a 400 percent, two figures, I've seen a 324 percent to as high as 400 percent increase in autism. Now, if you extrapolate that, that would have been 100,000 African-American young boys end up with autism for the rest of their life because the MR vaccine was known at the time by the, all the scientists working at the CDC to cause this, and they covered it up. Has Congress, Republican or Democrat, brought uh, Dr. William Thompson and all the people under oath? No. What does that tell you? And where's the Black Caucus? And where's Black Lives Matter? Demanding that they, since this was systemic racism, the same organization gave you Tuskegee, gave you this increase in African-American boys. Where's the outcry? Where's the demonstrations? Where's the marches? They don't exist. It's all a lie. Sequencing the human genome was supposed to give science mastery over mechanisms of life so we could find cures and prevention of disease. Instead, it was used for patents and profiteering. You lied. You lied about the assassination of John F. Kennedy, the assassination of Martin Luther King, the assassination of Robert Kennedy, the assassination of Malcolm X. You lied, 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 lied. MK Ultra, PSYOPs against citizens, secretly dosing people with LSD and brainwashing experiments on citizens, the church committee. You lied. 9-11, Building 7 and Demolitions. You said, oh, it was because of fires. It was not. You lied. Anthrax scares, foreign terrorist attacks. You lied. Blame Palestinian uh, bottle rockets, not Israel-guided strategic bombing. You lied. Operation Condor in 1975 under Reagan's White House, CIA operations to murder union leaders and socialists or scientists, anyone advocating for a peaceful way of dealing with Latin American nations, you had them killed, yet you smiled at the public, waved that feeble-ass little hand of Reagan, such an idiot, and you lied. Under historical event, events, the prime directive for dropping bombs in Hiroshima and Nagasaki, both lies. There was no need to do that. The Gulf of Tonkin issue, where you said that uh, the North Koreans were uh, torpedoing uh, ships, the Maddox, you lied. Operation Ajax, CIA operation to create coup against the Mossadegh in Iran, a Democratic elected person who was pro-West. We would have had none of this conflict with Iran. But it was handed from Truman to Eisenhower. Eisenhower gave it to the British, and then the CIA got engaged, and they overthrew Mossadegh. Israel attack on the USS Liberty. Why is that not in anyone's talking points to ever bring up with APEC or anyone else, because it would show that the Israelis were really ready and tried to sink and destroy every human life on a U.S. Uh, ship in order to blame it on one of the other, I think it was Egypt, 
and get uh, United States against them. Not a word in the media about that. You lied. The invasion of Serbian Balkan wars. You've only heard one side of the story from the Clinton group and Madeleine Albright. They both lied. The invasion of Libya, Iraq, Afghanistan, and Syria. Lie, 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 lie. The long history of regime changes, notably the Ukraine, Honduras, Iran-Contra, and of course in, uh, in South America. Nine different regime changes in just the last 20 years. You lied. Operation Northwood, the CIA attack on Miami to blame Castro. They didn't do it, but they were going to do it. Then they lied about it. Under Clinton, the false flag bombing against U.S. embassies in Nairobi and Tanzania. Both were false flag bombings. But nobody will talk to the Clintons and put them on the spot about that. In economics, the neoliberal capitalism, the trickle-down ideology, the belief that free money for financiers will trickle down to the masses. It never has happened. You can't show me an example of it happening. You lie. Shredding the glass Siguac. There's Hillary and Bill Clinton. I guess they do a tag team each day to see who can be the most vile. They lied. Congress lied. And Wall Street lied. Job creation. We're going to create jobs with NAFTA, CAFTA, TIP, and TTIP. From Obama backwards, they all lied. It killed jobs, made once viable cities like Camden, New Jersey, which has zero unemployment at one point, and Detroit. It made them into ghost towns and ghettos. They lied. Obamacare. Not once did Obama have anything to do with this outside of promoting it because it was all written by the insurance industry and the, and the uh, hospital associations. That's how things are done. Oh, we're going to reduce the rate through competition and promise of reduced family premiums. Went up, not down. They lied. Consistent promises of tougher rules on lobbyists. They lied. Consistent promises for increasing minimum wage. They lied. Whose interest does the Federal Reserve serve? We should have no Federal Reserve. Can't do that because there's just too much money made by those people associated. They lie. Tax loopholes favoring mega corporations to not pay any taxes. Hewlett-Packard, United, General Motors, Verizon, Apple, Google, Amazon. You pay more in your taxes than they do. They lie. Turning a blind eye to offshore banking subsidies, Citibank, FedEx, Exxon, Merck, Microsoft, Pfizer, Bank of America, etc. They lie. In defense, the consistent renewal of the Patriot Act. There's no justification for it. Obama's National Defense Authorization Act, where you reduce habeas corpus. They can, the President of the United States can order a killing of any person on earth and will not be held accountable for it, just like Obama wasn't. Obama making broadcasting a board of governors subordinate to the Defense Department, now controlling the media. The war on terror. All these are lies because the budget right now is anywhere from 56 to 58% of all of our taxes go to the military-industrial complex. 90% of that is not needed for our defense. Everything there is just antiquated duplicity and multiplication of errors. They've been shown to give 10 contracts for the same job. Every general, procurement officer, admiral, they're all on the payroll and go right back into the place where they know everyone and get their contracts done. The consistent claims of troop withdrawal from Afghanistan and Iraq lies. Closing Guantanamo lies. Why we have to support over 900 military bases around the world. We don't have support any, not one. Lies. Obama's start treaty promise. Instead, he increased nuclear weapons spending by $1.5 trillion. Was not called out on it. Lies. The FBI infiltration of terror cells and role of failed uh, domestic terrorist attacks. Those were lies. The U.S. creation of al-Qaeda during Soviet occupation of Afghanistan, they lied about that. U.S. support of jihadi organizations, the Mother Muslim Brotherhood, and playing off uh, ISIS in Islamic nations, Saudi Arabia working with them, they lied about it. The U.S. role in creation of clandestine mercenary armies in other countries, Thailand, Laos, Korea, Indonesia, Rwanda, Philippines, they lied about it. And then the social and domestic issues, they lied about the need for Citizens United. We shouldn't have it. Eric Holder and FISA documents to collect records of U.S. citizens. That was lies and illegal. The war on drugs. 
is the most insane war in, in American history. It has cost more deaths than all the other wars of Americans combined. There should be no war on drugs. All prisons should be open of non-violent offenders. Let them do community service at local levels in their communities, supervised by people in the communities, and then expunge all records of everyone who was ever arrested for drug use and let them regain some sense of rights and dignity to reenter society. Provide halfway houses that will help these people with counseling and get them jobs. We won't do it because we lie. Insurance promises for covering disasters and accidents. I walked up and down the street and I talked with my neighbors. There was less than, less than 6% return. They paid 100% of their premiums. The insurance company said, well, for the hurricane, we can only give you 3 to 6%. They lie. Insurance companies lie about everything. Educational improvements through charter schools, lies. Warrantless wiretapping, lies. Promises to prevent foreclosures, lies. A free press and mainstream media completely owned by intelligence and corporations, lies. COINTELPRO provocateurs to carry out violent acts and blame on American political activists and groups, Lies. FBI rampant spying on African-American families in the 60s and 70s. They lied about it. Protections effects of FEMA. Lies. Democrats as the upholders of civil rights and LGBT and women's rights in caring for the poor and minorities. Total lies. Republicans as the upholders of free speech and economic liberties for all. Less government will improve your lives. Lies. Israel's a benefit, a beneficial and sacred nation. Lies. The Christian founding of the U.S. and its divine mandate lies. Federal health agencies care about well-being and health of the population lies. A woman has the freedom to choose whether to give birth or not lies. We're lied to all the time about everything. So, on the one hand, they now want to say, we've lied about all this and a thousand times more, but trust us on this. Okay, want to trust them? That's your right. I don't. That's my right. 